everybody, and welcome to Between Two Weirwood, a podcast where we are talking to some of the best players in the game about how they are making their factions work. Today with me I have Nick, who is going to be talking about their 4-1 winning lift from the NRG number 2 tournament where they ran Greyjoy. Nick was a finalist in the recent Tabletop Wardens community event, uh, coming in 6th place after losing on the top table, where he ran neutrals and also ran neutrals to high success in the German Highlander event. Say hello to everybody, Nick. Yeah, hello, and uh, thanks for having me. I'm really happy to be here. Oh, thank you for coming on. So, at this the Energy number 2 tournament, you brought Greyjoys and took Asha and Balon Commander. Uh, let's just dive right into the Asha list. Yeah, sure. Um, the list I brought there was the Asha Sit and Wait, <laughs> what I call the list, um, because it includes uh, two units of Iron Makers, um, one, of course, with Asha and Karl as attachments, uh, the other Iron Makers unit having a Victorian Greyjoy, uh, one unit of Ironborn Bowman, and one unit of Ironborn Reavers with Bronn. And we've got as NCU's Aaron, which was kind of an unusual choice, I guess. And Eric Ironmaker, which I think is one of the best NCU's Greyjoys could have. And Wendemere, because he offers such a vast ma- uh, major options uh, to choose from. And he's got a replacement effect. So I think he's perfect here. Yeah, I agree. So you have something run that I haven't seen in a whole lot of lists, and that is Brawn and Reavers. Do you want to tell me about what kind of made you think about that combination? Yeah, um, my problem with the Reavers is they can be vanquished pretty rapidly if they are attacked by the right units, and especially if they got any panic token or vulnerable or something like that on them. So um, I had one point left to spend, and I turned down Balon because I was I was uh, considering Balon NCU instead of Aaron. But after some tryouts, I found that Balon was more of a trap because it costs so much to bring back a unit um, that could possibly not even impact the game after turn three, for example. So I put. Balon out and put Aaron in, and then I had I had this one point left, and I had the other units already uh, equipped with Asha and Carl and Victorian, and Bron gives me the option to pick up another, um, yeah, to pick up another option to attack because of the money bags. Um, I can attack with the Ironborn Reavers one more time, especially with the tactic stack uh, from the Greyjoys. You have the opportunity to dish out attacks for replacements when you put down an NCU. And this one just gives me another option. Um, What is really good, in my opinion, for one point only is also the ability to get on the money bags and gain plus ones to defense dice roads and plus one to moral test roads, which is huge in my opinion, because it is such a difference between defense five and defense four. 
So if they lose a rank, it's not too bad because they go down from seven dice to six dice. Um, so that's okay. But oftentimes I found myself with the reverse being on the last rank and then it gets really spicy because they only got four dice left. Um, and they sometimes were not able to even get another pillage token after attacking with four dice. So I thought, well, bronze seems like a good idea here. And yeah, he, he proved uh, himself in the reverse. He was pretty good. So was it the loyalty through coin for that plus one defense and plus one morale that made you think of him over our in-house um, attachment of Newt the Barber, who also brings Motivated by Coin? But I believe his second ability is Furious Assault, traditioning vulnerables on the charge. Were you, were you yeah. also looking for that defensive, where you didn't, didn't feel like you needed an extra offensive bit? Yeah, absolutely. It was it was the defensive part um, because the the list ideas is to get on the point really quickly and then just stay there. And with Bron, um, the Ironborn Reverse close to Asha are being on moral four, which is just ridiculous. Um, and especially the plus one on defense makes them even yeah even beefier. So they can take a hit if if bronze in them, and you've got the option to claim the money bags, which is also um, nice, um, a nice little tactical field to get, because you've got some synergies with uh, the tactics cards, um, and it was really the defensive aspect to pick up Bron instead of Newt. Was putting Brawn in the Bowman ever a uh, consideration for you? I see a lot of people do that, get the extra attack. Or did you feel that between the single unit of Bowman and Eric Ironmaker, you'd be able to pick up enough pillage tokens that you didn't have to worry about that extra shot from the Bowman? Um, I think it is it is a pretty valid choice, um, but I don't think it was well uh, part of my plan with this list. Um, because when I want to use the Iron Bowman extensively, I don't think I would play two Iron Makers. Um, I think that would be the case if I want to out-activate my opponent heavily. Um, and then just to put up another shot um, or the option to outmaneuver them and get the rerolls. But in this case, uh, I opted for the Ironborn Reavers just to have another melee unit that can pack a punch if necessary. Um, the Ironborn Bowmen here are really just for the activation and to yeah get get some more spoils um, to get the pillage token active and to increase the number of pillage token put out because I really want to get on the 2 plus save on the Iron Makers as fast as possible and then just sit on the points and wait for the opponent to come. And if the opponent approaches pretty fast um, which is highly probable because they need to um, then I have to shoot in my own units and that's not not, not the kind of thing I want to do. So um, the idea behind that, to get another shot off with the reverse on a 2+, plus, um, that was the main reason to put Bron into the Ironborn reverse here. All right. You did a very classic thing here. You have your Ironmakers with Ash and Carl, and Ironmakers with Vicarian. So these are both yeah. quite defensive units, but with Carol 
and Victarian, each in a unit, they also become offensive threats. Were you finding that you could be forcing your opponent to have to fight those Iron Makers? Because they're, they're not only defensive, they have some offensive ability here, and you know you can get to the point quickly with their movement 5. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the Iron Makers were most of the time, or almost the whole time, considered to be a very defensive unit. I mean, it's pretty obvious. You, you look at the unit and you say, oh man, 2 plus safe, that's, that's incredible. What the downside was, um, was always the moral on 7 plus. So people thought, well, okay, they can have a defense 2 plus safe, but... On seven plus moral, that is not as good. So Asha solved that problem, but also limits you a little bit because of the um, range of rally point. So um, you can withstand one charge from the opponent, but then what? Um, and that was the question I I um, asked myself here. So I thought, okay, which attachment can increase? Um, the deadliness of the Iron Makers. And we shouldn't forget that they have a great hammer. They come with critical blow. So seven dice hitting on three plus and critical blow um, is pretty good. That's that's nothing to ignore. And if you've got Carl, which won me a game almost um, alone because I was facing the Mother of Dragons, for example, um, he scored a lot of points just by eliminating the Mother of Dragons. So he's an auto-wound. Um, that is great, especially with a pillage token if needed. Um, so you can guarantee a panic check. So that's almost always a pillage token on a low morale unit, for example. Um, I love to take Mountainsmen with this kind of uh, unit here because it's almost a guaranteed uh, pillage token right there. And also Victarian with Relentless having the option or the opportunity to get the Iron Makers into position and then charge in with Vulnerable on a 3 plus rerolls on 7 dice and crit blow. That's pretty amazing if you ask me. And then you've got a unit with 2 plus saves um, and still packing a good punch against the other unit. So yeah, I really love this combination which makes them kind of an all-rounder, I think. And you're still up in activations, um, almost on par with your opponent, because you're having five onboard activations and three NCUs, which brings you to, I think it is almost the average of eight yeah. um, that most people bring. Yeah. So we're going to go down and take a look at your NCUs. You brought Aaron, Eric, and <laughs> Wundemir, which are pretty... Pretty standard uh, NCUs. Did you find uh, that Aaron brings enough healing for you? Or at this point, is is it Tycho or Bust, essentially? I mean, uh, Aaron was, was a weird choice, to be honest. Um, <laughs> I have no clue um, why I thought he would be better in this list than uh, Tycho. I... I think he was he was pretty good in some games, and the main idea be behind Aaron was just to um, use Victorian in the Iron Makers with Aaron and maybe um, one or two free attacks from the tactics deck. So 
that brings me up to uh, one or two heal per round. And if he destroys an enemy with a melee attack, it also restores another one wound for each of its destroyed ranks, which is kind of nice. Um, and Eren was able to heal up a lot, but I think it is only really usable in the Iron Makers with Victarion because you can guarantee two activations. Um, so they heal at least two. And two each round, that's pretty nice. Um, especially if you can put Eren on the horses or the swords, that brings us up to uh, two to three, which was uh, kind of crucial in some games where the Iron Makers were at the last rank and healed up over and over and over again. And here we've got also the Ironbound Bowman, which stood back a little bit and you can move those models up to the Iron Makers. So you have a constant flow of healing and if your opponent doesn't pressure you all the, da all the time, um, he can really grind out this and if i wanted to sit anyway on a point and just wait for the opponent to come it's pretty nice to have a constant flow of healing coming in from Aaron. yeah i have definitely i don't know if it's a trap or if it's just that Heiko is way too insanely good for his value but i've fallen into that where you look at Aaron and you see that over the course of a game with attachments like Victarion or the tactics guards like We Do Not Fill, you can get units taking two to three activation or two to three actions each round. And over three, four rounds, you're healing nine, twelve. Like you're you're healing way more than Tycho ever will. And I, I understand that point of view, but I think at this point, just where Tycho is that burst heal the immediate get out of jail free? In my opinion, yeah. is the whole reason that Balon is not feasible as an NCU. Because why pay five points for a get out of jail free after your unit dies when you can pay four points for get a jail free before your unit dies? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the the burst is essential here because it's about having a tray on the board or not having the tray on the board. So that's that's the whole point, right? Um, you either have it on the board and you still got the unit, or you don't. And the constant stream of healing was only able to be applied because of the Iron Makers two plus safe and with Asha. So that was a total um, overheal, for example. But uh, what is also not to forget is if you bring Balon, that's one thing as an NCU, but he also replaces um, the effect of his zone mm -hmm. um, to bring that back uh, to to bring it back. So um, that is even more of an yeah. How should I say? You you are forced to activate him and replace instead of Taiku who just flips on your enemy turn if he wants to. Yeah. So the cost is unequally higher. Yeah, and then um, you asked about the other NCUs. So Aaron was kind of a weird choice, but I think he can work in this list with Asha and uh, Victorian in the Iron Makers. And Eric is my absolute stapled NCU in the NCU list because 
I think putting out this pillage token so early in the game and getting the advantages that you would normally only get after achieving something, killing a rank of a unit, um, is essential here. And I also implement him in almost every list because uh, at that time, Mother of Dragons was a pretty popular choice. <laughs> if you're facing three dragons and the Mother of Dragons in probably the um, Black Arts, well, there's not a lot of ranks to... Um, mm get <laughs> so i needed to have an option to get the reavers up to two plus or well have have something to improve um the pillage count and yeah attack the dragons with something effectively <laughs> do you find that with eric Ironmaker, the bowman and ron who wants to be controlling the money bag that you had almost an overabundance of pillage token? Because your opponent's going to want to be taking the bags from you to stop your loyalty through coin, try to block your motivated by coin, which will put another pillage token on Eric. Eric putting yeah. out at least one pillage token mm -hmm. every turn, and the bowman will pick up another one to two here and there, um, off locky shots here and there. Like, were you ever starved for pillage tokens? Or did you find you had more than enough to do everything including spend things on like the iron price uh no i i really i really had an abundance of pillage tokens at some uh, point and i had a lot of pillage token on eric also uh sometimes i couldn't even spend every pillage token because my opponent was uh sticking to the money bags like all game long as soon as he had the opportunity or the chance to get uh, the money bags uh, he would have gone for it but um, in this case i would think having is better than needing them so <laughs> it was not a real problem for me to have an abundance and pillage token i think there are much worse uh, things to have uh, with a great joy army and what I was looking for when I played with uh, Windermere, so um, we come to this NCU also, and the kind of hidden interaction between them is you can fish for the iron price. Um, for example, if you got Roderick, which we will come later to. Um, and the iron price is pretty awesome together with the iron makers because you can use the iron makers pillage token after they were attacked or after they got into position and then you can shift with vendomir those nice three inches and with the iron price you can even get another plus one to the movement and reroll the charge distance dice and with that attack you are highly probable to get that pillage token instantly back so it is an just right upgrade for your iron makers to get into the fray and uh, smack some units off the board and so i was pretty happy with having uh, two pillage token every on every unit and then using them for the iron price etc so most of the time the raiding call wasn't even putting out any uh, pillage token it was just there for healing oh wow yeah would you consider not running bowmen in this list and taking maybe trappers or like put trappers out and then maybe throw Carl in the trappers as a, a suicide squad to run in 
Or did you still want that long-range threat of the bowmen? Even if they're not doing big damage, nobody wants to get shot by six dice on a four plus because it can proc pillage test or not pillage test, sorry, panic test. It can mm. be surprising, you know. All of a sudden, six dice that can be six hits. Dice can spike here and there. Yeah, if if I'm not playing free fog, uh, which is quite a time now, um, I would normally go for at least one ranged unit that gives me so much more options to have um, strategy strategy wise, because it is still a unit that has long range, and there are almost always some kind of. Um, yeah, some some kind of unit that are not that good in Morel. So this can easily uh, go up to like three, four, five, maybe six wounds um, if everything goes right. And I have to implement the Bowman, in my opinion, to force the opponent to come to the Iron Makers. So if I put in the Trappers, why should the opponent even come to me and face me with the iron makers um if i'm not dealing constantly damage and maybe that's some kind of psychological thing but nobody wants to put down their units and just get shot at all the time so um armies that did not bring any long range unit um they are almost always forced to go in at some point um and not play the uh you score these points i score these points and we leave the middle open um so yeah i, I think the iron bowmen are not only a cheap activation and a great unit in itself with the ability to divide the spoils but also some kind of psychological factor to uh, get the opponent to attack into your iron makers mm, very true well let's hop over to your other list which was a Balon list. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, the Balon list was, in my opinion, the better list. So when I started the tournament, I thought, okay, the Balon list, that's that's something I can bet on. Um, that's something I played a lot of times beforehand. I had a lot of games um, with pretty good opponents which said yeah the nine activation by Londis, they are they're nasty right um so what i brought was um another unit of iron makers to start off and balon within the iron makers again for the constant heal by fueled by slaughter and iron resolve reducing the big problem the iron makers have as i mentioned earlier the seven plus morale um so that was an important and key piece uh, in my army that should stick to the objectives and just um, yeah score points there. But it's kind of costly because it's still seven points. So um, Balon and the Iron Makers have to do something in the game instead of just sitting there. Um, then I've got the Ironborn Reavers with Victarion. I mean, the synergies are pretty clear here. We've got Relentless to bring the Ironborn Reavers into position after uh, possibly out-activating the opponent with another Furious Charge to gain Vulnerable and Thundering on the Reaver Axis. Um, almost always they are fueled by Eric to uh, hit on a 3+, plus or a 2+. Plus. 
um, which was kind of crucial to gain that hit that you desperately want to weaken the opponent to the point that the Iron Reavers can withstand a fight with them. Then we've got the Ironborn Trappers uh, with Asha. I mean, that's a pretty popular choice, I think, uh, because Asha bringing down the moral from an 8 plus to a 5 plus is pretty crucial here, especially in a unit that only saves on 6 plus. And these, this combination is just a huge toolkit in your Greyjoy army. You've got so many orders on them, you've got two orders. Uh, with Trappist tools, vulnerable and weakened. You've got Asha um, with the war cry, and you've got the disruptability on the Ironborn Trappers. So if they can get into battle or into the fight with another unit that's probably cost like seven or maybe eight, even that is a huge advantage for, uh, to you because Ironborn Trappers um, disrupt the opponent so heavily so they are almost always stuck with them with them or have to retreat at some point because they're wasting time uh, hitting the trappers while they put out token left and right and center so that's an in my opinion a very very good package for five points which yeah is super cheap in my opinion and yeah and then we've got two ironborn bowmen um they do as i said in the other list also they increase the pressure here um they are long range a long range unit for four points so always awesome um which i found sometimes a little bit difficult was to position them correctly um because you want them kind of close to your own units to protect them but you all also want them to be in the flank um not too far away from the action but not too close because they <laughs> won't really survive long um but you want to divide the sport so um bowman positioning is kind of tricky in my opinion yeah and then we've got wendemir um which is also a staple in my opinion because he's like super good um synergetic with all the things great joyce would like to do um he brings also heal if you wanted um so yeah that's that's just awesome wendemir is just just a bargain for what he does um eric again because we've got now uh three units also that want to be filled with um pillage tokens and we've got roderick harlow um, and he was in my list because I really wanted to dig for uh, the finger dance. And the finger dance alone is pretty awesome on the Ironborn Bowman. Um, but I did not mention them earlier because I think Roderick is pretty awesome in this list with um, Balon's tactics deck also. So you've got two cards or in this case, four cards in, in total, you want to uh, fish for you <laughs> in, yeah, you want to fish for as a great joy because finger dance, that's the one thing you want to have pretty early in the game. Um, and the second one is I have to look up what it's called again. I think it is the uh, acceptable sacrifices. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the acceptable sacrifices 
putting them down on the bowmen just to gain this little bolster to the morale uh, was pretty awesome and that's four cards you want to go for pretty early in the game and you want to have it immediately so that's why i chose Roderick here to yeah bring me through the deck right yeah so with your two units of bowmen and eric ironmaker were you finding once again that this was maybe too many tokens at times? Um, like, was were you finding full value out of Eric and CU? Mm. You you could think that, but um, I wanted to implement Eric and the Iron Maker to fuel my units with uh, the old way. The uh, tactics yeah. card from Balon. So you may discard one pillage token from that unit if you do re-roll any dice for this test. So that was awesome. Um when you are facing a moral test in Essential. And you play that after the tokens were spent. So um that is a huge factor uh, to take into consideration here. Mm-hmm. Um or when a friendly unit is performing then attack <clears throat> after the attack dice. Uh, were rolled, you may discard one pillage token from that unit and re-roll them again. So the old way is some kind of way around um, some of the tokens, which in my opinion is very, very strong because your opponent cannot influence them in any way, shape or form after they had the chance and the opportunity to spend the token. So um, I had lots of uses for the pillage token and I found myself more of the time using them and trying to gain them back than not. And in this case, you don't have such a, yeah, such a bulky unit combination. So um, you should be really careful with them. And that's where the iron price also plays a big uh, role when you can restore two or four wounds maybe on the unit um, of Balon and gain back, yeah, for example, two to four Iron Makers. And yeah, Feud Bear Slaughter also heals up then. So that was that was pretty crucial and I used the pillage tokens a lot. Okay, that make that does make a lot of sense. I always forget about um the the old ways with Balon. It was not a card that stood out to me as strong. In his when I first looked at him, um, but yeah, that the reroll panic is fantastic, especially since it is after the panic token would be spent. Yeah, yeah, that's I think a huge advantage you can you can get out of that one pillage token, and most of the time you wait until that um, is over, and then you can gain it back by activating the unit or using some uh, tactics board to. Yeah, gain them back with an attack or something like that. So this is a a nine activation list with um, the Victorian in Reavers being a pseudo activation with the Relentless. It's not an actual activation, uh, but the Relentless Order lets you give a maneuver or attack action to the unit, and you don't have to activate another unit this round. Did you find that? Nine activations is probably one of the the stronger way to play Greyjoys right now. Or do you think that eight activations 
um, kind of hold holds up to it as long as you are beefy enough, kind of like your Oshilith. Mm, I think it heavily depends on your opponent. Um, when I first created those lists, I really thought I would play Balon almost exclusively. Um, almost all the time because of these nine activations. But the big downside here is you've got um, only one unit that can be sustainable in, in this time, right? Um, you only got the Iron Makers with Balan, and the others are kind of pretty squishy. Um, and if you're playing against Lannisters, which in my opinion is one of the worst matchups you can have as Greyjoy because they have so many ways to interact with your um, pretty solid tactic stack or I think every every listener that had uh, what is that may never die countered mm. by a counterplot uh, really knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so um, you have to be really, really careful with these with this kind of list because even though you've got nine activations you have to be very careful where you position your reavers and it's especially pretty yeah pr pretty difficult to play against a list with the targaryens for example where you are facing a lot of cavalry so they almost always get you first and that's where things can get pretty dicey so most of the time I would sacrifice or almost always sacrifice my Ironborn Trappers um, to the opponent or maybe g give them a little bait if, uh, if you want to say so. Um, so the only reason to put them before the Ironborn Reavers is to protect the Ironborn Reavers in any way possible. Because the Iron Makers are pretty okay um, with Balon especially in them but uh, the Reavers are super squishy especially if you don't have Bron in them for the plus one defense and plus one morale um, and if your Ironborn Reavers are down to the last rank or even dead well then you are losing two activations at once so it is kind of risky mm -hmm. so you said it there, your ironborn or your iron makers are quite tanky. The reavers are almost like a glass cannon. They can get in, they can hit hard, but they can't take the hit. And then you have trappers, or this kind of strange in the middle unit where they can hit decent with six dice and four plus at both first and second rank. But with Asha in them, they become this a tar pit unit with a five plus morale, the minus one to hit. And the ability to just throw out token. Do you want to talk a bit about this kind of like force multiplier unit right here? How it how it really helps? Because I know it's very common in a lot of people's lists. Same with the the Reaver Victorian, which is I mean you look at it and you, you can tell I'm gonna put my aggressive reactivation uh attachment in the aggressive cheap unit and I'll all of a sudden get two four point activations essentially but this this trapper asha combo i i saw it when i first started playing Greyjoys, and i didn't get it at first until you really start looking into how how it really helps everything else on the board yeah so as you mentioned it is uh the, the one role that fulfills it perfectly is to 
target an enemy an enemy unit. So, for example, I've had more than one game um, to watch or to play myself where the Ironborn Trappers were binding one of the one of the best units uh, in the game, and that was the Bolton Flatman. So, just um, to calculate, if you want to take a look at the Bolton Flatman, um, you can see they are they're pretty nice with eight points, cavalry movement, hitting uh, three plus on um, seven dice, and they've got the critical blow when charging. So, for example, if they charge into a unit, you're almost always certain uh, to make at least like um on a on a four plus or a five plus unit like three to six or seven even eight wounds are not that um out of the reach but now if you've got these ironborn trappers and they're able to bring you down from a three plus to a four plus um that is huge because suddenly only Half of your dice hit, and maybe you've got a six in it, so that's an average of I don't want to lie like like four now, um which isn't too bad, and they are vicious, yes that that is pretty um pretty nasty, but the ironborn trappers go down from an auto almost auto fail of the uh, moral check to well not that good of a chance, but it is still good, so um. Can all you can't really one shot them with the uh, iron, uh with the flatman, and if you are stuck with the ironborn trappers uh, once, you are highly unlikely to get to get out of that because they will give you weakened or they will. Uh, it it is not uh, the vulnerable that makes them so. Um, annoying because it's the weekend with a combination of disrupt um, and if you are not able to charge you don't get the reroads um, which is also pretty nice um, to have as a great joy player and then you are facing a five plus morale unit um, with disrupt and weekend and you are not able to get out of that because there is almost always some kind of healing available to the Greyjoy player. So even if you get them down to like four to six models, um, you've got the Vandermeer, you've got um, the Tactics cards, you always have the option to play, almost always have the option to what is that may never die. Um, they have a pretty high chance to survive that. Uh, you can use the Iron Prize to heal them up, for example. They still got the Disrupt. They only need one Pillage token to get out the weekend. You've got the Raiding Call. Uh, you even got Blessed with Steel, uh, Blessed with Stone, Blessed with Steel. So it gets super annoying. And if you cannot delete them in like one or two activations, um, they will stick with that unit for almost certainly the rest of the game or until you disengage and then maybe they can engage again especially in the nine activation lists you are highly probable to get that yeah yeah and and they are throwing out tokens like like candy because asha just adds another war cry which is super important to um, get the enemy units that you want to um, delete from the game um in a pretty nasty spot with panicked and vulnerable. So while 
also tying a unit down, you are supporting other units by giving out Warcry with Asha. So you're not only tying down a unit that almost certainly costs more than this uh, unit of trappers with uh, Asha, but you're also um, yeah, supporting the other units and give them the options and the token to increase the damage output of the Reavers or even the Iron Makers or even the Bowmen. Because if you've got a unit with vulnerable and panicked, uh, the Bowmen are highly capable of getting rid of one rank at least. Mm -hmm. You you just mentioned something there that I had never thought about and it is blessed with stone, blessed with steel. I have almost always just that's been my discard at the end of the round card, or it's my fuel for Roderick to go find more cards for me. I've never found it to be useful, but trappers are almost always going to be engaged. And even though you might not have more rank, you'll likely be holding the bags or the sword. So that, that's the first time I've ever actually thought, oh my god, that card does something. So, wow, yeah, I'd, I had never thought about that card in trappers, but that's 100% who it's used for. Yeah, it's it's all about the the healing in, in the Greyjoys and especially on a unit that disrupts the enemy so heavily, it is just just awesome. And if if you manage to get uh in some wounds on the unit you're tying up, um it, it's even better on infantry unit, of course. Um mm-hmm. because you, you restore uh, additional wounds then. Um but it is also possible to shoot into this engagement because still ashes in the bo- uh, in the trappers, so there's still five plus morale, which is very very awesome for a great joy player to have. And um, yeah, you sometimes you will fail this panic check, but it is another source of damage that is coming in on a unit that is bound by the trappers. So um, it is most of the time it is not so bad for you. And if you can position it correctly, um, the Ironborn Bowmen are also um, able to re-roll their detect dice. So that's that's pretty awesome. And then a Blessed with Stone, Blessed with Steel gets even better. One of my favorite combos with Bale and a Commander, that I'm, I'm just wondering if you've used it very much, is using um, the Ironborn Bowmen with finger dance and price of failure, was that was that ever a combo that you used, or is that is that just something I like to do because I'm crazy? Um, no, it is. It is a nice combination. I mean, finger dance on the uh, Ironborn Bowman on its own is pretty awesome. Um, I. <laughs> I have considered it this combination or this combo, but I was a bit afraid that um yeah that that it is that I would deal more wounds to myself <laughs> than I'm not, on the I'm opponent. Not gonna lie. I've, I've done more wounds to myself doing it. Um but yeah, it's it's a, it's one of my favorite little combos to do because no one's expecting your bowman to actually put out six hits. Yeah, Price of Failure is kind of a weird card. Um, I've used it um, sometimes on the Trappers again, because 4-plus was not eh, that great. The Iron Makers on 3-plus are doing pretty well, but I don't want to um, 
yeah to to have them suffer wounds from that attack um i oftentimes used it for the ironborn reavers um when for example they only got one pillage token or if i had to see a unit 100 percent uh, dead before the panic check um then i use price of failure to absolutely guarantee me or almost always guarantee me that uh, kind of damage that i needed to remove the unit from the board um in combination with sundering and vulnerable on victorian that was uh, most of the time the case when i used price of failure um maybe i wasn't desperate enough or maybe i wasn't crazy enough to do this combo i like it but well maybe maybe i feared the the damage too much that that's fair i i do do some some pretty out there combos that oh, generally aren't worth it but sometimes the shock and awe of it can uh, <laughs> can pull you back in <laughs> absolutely uh yeah, but what what is what is really awesome is Balon uh, within the Iron Makers. He is such a powerhouse um, with Iron Resolve and fueled by Slaughter. Maybe even bolstered from the Ironborn Bowman with um, the acceptable sacrifices. That is just awesome, and I I think I cannot count the times that the Iron Makers survived because of the iron resolve and they got up and up and up and up again by fueled by slaughter it is incredible how many uh hits these iron makers can take especially on a two plus um and what i found myself oftentimes also in the uh situation was that with the trappers and with some uh weakened token from the letters uh, sometimes people weren't even doing any damage at all. So that was an auto check for the the panic. And that's just in- incredible um, if you want to hold some kind of position or something like that. Mm-hmm. The one thing we didn't really talk about with Asha, and I'll bring it up now, is Wendemir. So he has the claim of zone, replace it with um the ability to grab another order token for himself and then at the beginning of any turn sorry at the beginning of a friendly turn you can spend one of those order tokens to draw a tactics card and heal two wounds or shift three inches do you find that you are almost always replacing zones with wendemir for those tokens um that heavily depends on the game and the game state but in the beginning uh, especially in round one or two it is highly probable that i will replace and try to um get these tokens as soon as possible um it's also pretty funny that um wendemir fulfills the role as an ncu for both of the lists absolutely perfectly because in the Iron Makers with Asha, uh, with the Asha list, um, I almost always healed up my units. So just sitting on the points, healing up the stuff, um, get it over and over again, healed 
and additionally draw tactics cards from um, the the heal um, to gain even more heal because Asha also brings some uh, heal cards with her when uh, some unit passes a moral test. So it was all about the heal in, in, in the Asha list. And in the Balon list, it was more um, using the three-inch shift because that almost always made the difference. Um, can I charge in now or do I have to wait one more turn? Do I have to wait for my opponent to make the first move or can I make the first move? Um, because I'm the starting player next round. And with Victarion and Wendemir, uh, you almost always get the first charge in. So the Reavers suddenly um, can use one or maybe even two tokens to get six inches of movement and to be in the fight as the first unit that you want. And especially with nine activations, uh, it is highly probable you will have the last activation and the first activation. So if you cannot one-shot a unit, which is now um, highly improbable, um, you can two-shot, well, a lot of units, I, I would say. Yeah, and that uh, left me with Vendomir. Um In, I think, almost every single list I played. Um, he is such a toolkit and... The thing is, it's an order token, so you do not have any conflicting triggers with your tactics deck. It is always, uh, it is also stackable, so <laughs> yeah, you can just stack up the tokens and then uh, use it in two subsequent turns of you uh, of, of yourself, and then you've got an auto six on the charge, essentially. Yeah. So that combination with Victorian for people who are wondering. Where you have nine activations, they're going to be round, especially playing into seven or six activation lists, where you're going to essentially get a double activation either at the end of the round, or you will activate last and activate first the next round. So you can spend the Relentless Order to move the Reavers, their five-inch movement, and also have a Wendemir token played to move an additional three. You're moving eight inches now. And then on their second activation, playing a second Wendemir token and a charge. So that is putting you at 16 inches of movement plus your D6 for a total of a 22-inch total threat range. That is longer than some cavalry can threaten on the board and I, I don't think people sometimes understand just how how quickly Greyjoys can get across the board even though they are only infantry the, the Victorian Reaver combo especially with Wendemir to push those extra 3 inch shift really gets you boogieing yeah absolutely and Greyjoys are another slow faction uh, with I think almost every unit having uh, a move of five. So um, that is pretty average. That is that is still pretty good. And uh, this shift, oh man, this shift has saved me so many games. 
It's it's just incredible this shift. So looking at both your lists as a whole, when you were building them, were the game modes being played ever a consideration? Because there's essentially we'll we'll say three game modes. There is the five objective, like Game of Thrones or Honed and Ready. There's the three objective, like Clash of Kings or Dance with Dragons. And then there's Fire and Blood, which is just Carnage. Um, were, were one of these lists kind of meant for that? I know in the past some people used to bring specific Clash of Kings list or specific um, Game of Thrones list where you need to be holding five objectives or you want to have an aggressive strong point. Are, are those things you consider in building lists? Uh, absolutely. Um, as you can see, the Balon list um, is completely the, the, the five objectives uh, list normally, I would say. But if I'm facing, um, for example, Night's Watch, uh, I, would, I would choose the Asher list just because you need something that um, can take the hit. But if you've got nine activations in a list and you've got um, like five combat units on the field or six combat units on the field or something like that, um, you are totally going to put the pressure on your opponent if you can score like two to three points at least um, per round. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so that was in my mind when I started to, to build the list. So, um, Asha, for example, is, um, was my epitome of, I will play dance with the dragons with it. <laughs> so go on the, uh, go on these, these, uh, dragon eggs, just sit there, wait for the opponent to come. Um, you cannot move anyway. So why not just put an immovable object on there and just wait for your opponent and until he does something. Um, by the others, uh, were, yeah, you're more like these, uh, if you've got many objectives, you want some cheap activations, you want some activations that can shoot into long range. So that's where I would bring the Balon list. It heavily de depends on the opponent which lists I bring, so it's, in my opinion, more of a thing how to play against each different faction mm. or, or which house you're facing. Um, but of course, some of the lists are more viable for um, yeah specific game modes, I think. But for me, the deciding factor in which lists I would play was always what does my opponent play? So were you yeah. looking at sort of, I'm going to call them the power four. Well, we'll say the power two for sure, being Night's Watch and Tag. Then Lannisters mm. being sort of this, they are a hard matchup for Greyjoys, depending on the list. Um, and then you have your Stark, Free Folk, Greyjoy, Neutral, Baratheon, who kind of start to, I don't want to say they fall off, but they're they're less prominent and they were less dominant at this point in time in the game. So you said Asha was your Night's Watch list. 
Um, were you considering like a Targ and Lanny, Lannister uh, counter list, and then everything else was just I should be able to cover it, or yeah, yeah, for, yeah. For for me, it was uh, super essential to implement Carl in one of the lists. So, um, when I built the list, I had to implement Carl in, in at least one of them just to be able to get rid of the Mother of Dragons, for example. Hmm. Um, or if you are facing um, a game mode where the unit of the commander comes back um, and enables you again to score points. That's where I bring Carl. I just uh, eliminate the attachment, in this case, the commander, and just let the unit on the board. Um, with Iron Makers, that's not a real problem because you can charge into them, try to eliminate the attachment, and then just stay there with the with the Iron Makers um, and healing them up if necessary or until the enemy unit is is gone, which you don't want to um, achieve in any way because you just want the commander to be gone. Uh, so that was why I needed Carl in at least one list to have this option. Uh, there are also some attachments that are... Yeah, they they are really nasty if you face them. So, for example, the Champion of Faith in uh, the Lannisters, or the Moment attachment that gives Hardened or Othel. <laughs> so, yeah. there are some attachments you really want to get rid of. Um, yeah, in in the best case scenario, it's something like the Mother of Dragons or anything like that. Um, so that was my list if I was expecting one or more attachments to be highly problematic for my lists. And I chose Balon to yeah, to, to try and out activate my opponent and yeah, get things rolling um with them, uh with the two key units which were the Iron Makers and the Reavers, while the Trappers were Finding some some uh, unit and get rid of them for as long as I need to bring the Iron Makers and the Reavers into position. So um, when I was prepping the list, I wasn't really thinking about Baratheons and Starks, to be honest, because on in that time they were highly unlikely to win anything. They were um, super down in numbers, so. Almost no one wanted to play them, I think. Um, and for that tournament, I did not expect to see a lot of them. Also, um, Baratheons are pretty okay to face with the Greyjoys, in my opinion. Um, and, and Starks also, because you've got so much healing that um, the panic checks are almost always on your side because if you inflict at least one or two wounds, uh, the panic check will be in your favor because you've got more healing. And the Baratheons don't have so many units to, um, yeah, to deal that much damage. 
I was fearing about the faithless. Uh, I, I was afraid of the faithless a little bit. Um, because <laughs> if those bowmen shoot into your crew and you're not playing the Archer list, um, yes, Greyjoys can really start to run to the beaches pretty rapidly if you, <laughs> <laughs> if you are not paying attention. So that was one list I was a little bit afraid of. But because of the unpopularity of Baratheons at that time, I wasn't too afraid of that. I was super afraid of the Night Watch lists. Um, and that's why I needed Carl in the two Ironmakers list, because if I want to get to Othel, the unit somehow has to survive at least um, a round or two to get, to get there. And that's also where Wendemir was just being golden for what he does with a three-inch shift. So that's absolutely awesome. Yeah, and also the Mother of Dragons. Um, that was a common problem, I would say. Um, but with the Reavers, with Sundering, um, it is quite manageable because you can really um, inflict a lot of wounds on those dragons. And after the range attack was eliminated, you can hit back at least. So that is that is quite manageable, I think, even though it's still pretty hard. It, it, it feels like an uphill battle all the time. Um, but Carl gives you the option to try and assassinate uh, the Mother of Dragons. Mm. So, and in round one, <laughs> that was awesome. In round one, I was facing Free Fog. And I was pretty confident. I was like, yeah, free folk. No, no problem. I've got my bail on this. I've, I, I bring nine activations. If free folk can do it, I can also do it. Um, and I've got bowmen. And these free folk raiders, they, they start running if they um, see the arrows coming down. But I haven't played against free folk in a while. And then I was so overwhelmed by the movement tricks and how aggressive these free folk were played by Laika. I was totally overwhelmed and was, yeah, demolished within within seconds um, because they were sharing the keywords and Greyjoys aren't the beefiest. Um, yeah, and they still out-activated me and I had no idea what hit me there <laughs> so um i would consider lannisters to be one of the worst matchups for Greyjoys because of the uh, mentioned things about counterplot um your yeah your yeah, absolutely important um tactics cards it is also pretty rough to inflict um any damage with the bowman against those high moral uh, units from the faith keyword i would say um and lannister guardsmen oh boy you don't want to attack them with the reavers mm -hmm. um yeah there are a lot of mechanics that punish you heavily for playing a pretty well um yeah a, a, a pretty weak unit in terms of sustain so lannister's got the tricks lannister's got the options and Lannister's got the things that really inflict a lot of wounds on you for having fragile units on the board. 
Yeah, and I would say then uh, it is Freefolk is not an easy matchup. Although I always thought in theory, and I talked about that a lot uh, in the discords with other people, and almost everybody was like, yeah, Freefolk, no problem. Um, with Greyjoys, no problem. You just shoot them a bunch of times, stack up with your pillage token, and then you just uh, overwhelm them. But yeah, they they can inflict some heavy damage on your units even before you come to that point where you can uh, leverage your pillage tokens. Uh, most definitely. One last thing we want to talk about when talking about these lists is a uh, terrain for your list. Did you have a certain pool you like to pull from to keep kind of like a, a standard a standard playing field for you for your list? Or was it very matchup dependent on when you were grabbing each different piece of terrain? Um that's for my case that's also highly dependent on what the opponent brings. But I can tell you that almost every single opponent I faced was bringing um, some kind of forest because of the uh, of the bowmen. Uh, especially if I brought the Balon list, there was almost always like two forests chosen by my opponent. Um, I normally really like to stick to the Weaver trees, um, having. An Asher list or having a Balon list with acceptable sacrifices and having some kind of weirwood tree in, uh, in, in close range was pretty great. And I failed uh, too many walk riders on a five. <laughs> so yeah, weirwood are normally my, my first terrain to think of. What is also pretty nice is having some stakes just in front of your bowman so that increases the strategy i would like to play with the uh, long range and having your opponent attack you um to increase the pressure yeah that's that's what i think about most of the time but with the uh, recent changes i think the low walls are pretty awesome against uh, some cavalry units so these are my Top three, I would, I would say, and which of them I choose depends on my opponent and how many cavalry he brings. Or does he bring long range, um, long range units also? So yeah. All right, and you just mentioned the low wall there, which I have to look up again. That is not one I'm used to seeing. But that is destructible, fortified for the plus one to defense save when charging through it, and. Hindering, which I believe is the no rerolls. Yeah, that's a pretty solid, uh, pretty solid terrain piece. Very, yeah, very defensive. Um, Greyjoys have a couple ways, especially your Balon list. It has ways to get those rerolls back with things like um, the old way, and you have Sundering. You're counteracting that plus one defense save, so it doesn't hurt you as much as it might hurt your opponent. That's those are some interesting pieces that not a lot of people throw down the low walls. Yeah, I really love the low walls. Um, they, they, they are awesome. <laughs> They're really, really awesome. If I don't think I would go for the weirwood trees, I would almost always grab the low walls and position them 
um, close to the trappers or close to the reavers because the reavers aren't really interested in what it does. Um, you've got sundering, so that's negated. Okay, um, that's fine. But if you're hitting on a two plus, you don't need to have rerolls on a charge. Mm. That's absolutely fine, right? Yeah. So your opponent has to decide: Do I want to give the reavers plus one defense, and I have no rerolls, and then they probably hit me back, maybe with Victorian in the one list, or maybe you could grab the bag, the money bags, and then you are facing plus two defense throws. <laughs> um, plus one morale. Oh man, I I'm not sure if I want to do that. And with the Reavers, it's not that much of a problem. And if you manage to position an Asher Trapper unit behind those low wards, that's probably never going to be attacked. And you can absolutely stack behind them. Yeah, very, very smart. That is something I'm definitely going to have to look more into the next time I play with my Greyjoys. So this tournament was, I believe, a couple months ago now at this point. Uh, and there have been some new releases for the Greyjoys. Are any of those new releases something that you think you'd like to incorporate into either of these lists? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Silenced men are incredible. Um, they fulfill so many roles at once, I cannot stress it enough. Um, silenced men, having the option to uh, get sundering, or, or having sundering, just having sundering in, in, their, um, in their attack, is awesome. The reason why you bring Reavers is because they have Sundering and they're a cheap unit which can hit hard. But having the option to also increase um, the chance of failing the panic check while having two Bowmen in the back, I would immediately um, replace my Iron Makers with a Silenced Man when playing the Balan list. So essentially, your silenced men are suddenly immune to panic checks that are not modified. So, um, I mean, this unit's uh, the, the silence infamy. This unit suffers minus one wound from failing panic tests for each each pillage token. So, Eric as NCU here is absolutely awesome. Um, putting down two pillage token on them brings them to minus two wounds plus an additional minus one wound from Balon, so they cannot gain any wounds from failing the panic check. So that makes what is that may never die a lot better. Additionally, they hit on three plus with seven dice, which is pretty nice. Um, and they have this aura that just increases every single unit around uh, them again. So having Bowman, shooting into engagement or shooting into the opponent with minus two on the moral check, that's great and increases your chances of destroying your rank and putting out pillage token on the other units by a lot. So silence men, I would absolutely implement right there. Yeah. Very nice. Uh, are there any shoutouts you want to give? 
Um, yeah, sure. Um, first of all, shout out to every single one that played the um, Tale of Smoke and Cinder campaign and was part of that because that was a lot of fun. And um, yeah, th thanks for that. Also, shout out to the Tabletop Warden guys, which are also amazing doing their job on their servers shout out to the energy discord server and mickey and carlo for the weekly um <laughs> entertainment and all the guys on the server because it's um an absolutely great community and i think if i hadn't been part of the tts community here with all the guys from three sides gaming energy the official tabletop wargamer server um yeah sunday slaughter etc energy and tabletop ones i think i would have quit the, this tabletop um by now because of the pandemic and and stuff so yes yeah, thanks a lot for keeping keeping this game alive and keeping everything up and yeah thanks to you for inviting me to this great opportunity to talk about the great joys well thank you so much for coming on uh we really appreciate you doing this it's always great to hear from people who are doing so well in the community and sharing your ideas with those who want to pick up these factions yeah sure um if you want to pick up great joys do not hesitate because it's an absolute fun faction to play it's pretty rewarding, and the Greyjoys offer a lot of tricks. All right. Well, thank you once again, Nick, for coming on. And to everyone out there listening, we're here to share your success in this game. So join us again next time here between two weirwoods.